Welcome to the Deep Dive, Emerald City Hockey's Seattle Kraken podcast. Hey everybody, welcome back to the Deep Dive, Emerald City Hockey's Seattle Kraken podcast. RJ, this has been an interesting week. It's been an interesting week. We're going to get to lots of stuff, definitely going through the game recaps from this past week. We're going to be looking at the overall playoff picture, talk about the playoff format a little, because we haven't done that too much yet. And we also have some interesting questions for each other about the Kraken and the rest of the season for them. But as we kick off this episode of The Deep Dive, RJ, presented by Queen Anne Beer Hall, I'm actually going to be talking to all of you, the listeners, real quick about something. And that is we've been, you know, trying to figure out all this stuff as we started this media company and and going through everything. And um, you guys have all been so incredible to us, whether it's joining us for the post games, joining the discord, listening to this podcast, all of that stuff. It's all been so, so incredible. Um, but as we're, as we're learning more about certain things and we're looking towards what our plans are for next season and, 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 you know, where we rank in like certain things, one thing has stood out to us and, and this is just where we got to play the game a little bit and we need your help. And that is if you listen to us on Apple podcasts, if you could leave us a good review on Apple podcasts, that actually like really helps us out. Like forever. I thought would podcasts ask for that stuff. It was just like, because they're asking for it. But apparently, no, that actually like really helps us out <laughs> algorithm wise. And it would be like really kind of good for us. So uh, I'm, I am uh, for the first time we're, we're joining the chorus of other podcasts uh, talking about that and asking about it. So, you know, no obligation, obviously, but uh, I know how many you know, of you are, are, are good fans and you listen every week and all that awesome stuff because we're around and we talk with you about it and it's all awesome. Uh, so if you happen to listen to us on Apple Podcasts, if you could drop us a five-star you know, review, that would be cool. <laughs> yes, we'd right. appreciate it. Realize why all the other podcasts are yeah. like, please leave us a five-star review. Leave us one. Yeah. And like, eh, whatever. But no, it actually does matter. Go figure. Yeah, I think it might matter more than the likes on YouTube. <laughs> As far as the algorithms are concerned, the respective algorithms, it's really interesting. Um, all this, all the stuff we find out, you know, do, doing this job. Anyway, all right, all right, uh, enough, enough sellout stuff. All right, RJ, got to get to yeah, the yeah. real. We're too the, cool for that. Yeah, no, we got to get to the real uh, stuff. Is Berkey back? No, he's not back yet. All right, so now that we're now that we're done with the real stuff, we can get fun now. <laughs> And by fun, I mean, let's talk about this past week of Kraken hockey, because I can't think of anything more enjoyable after those last two games, RJ, to talk about. Fun is certainly the word I think of, although I actually did really have fun with the Stars game, uh, but we'll, we'll get to that. Yeah, let's start off the week with the Anaheim game. 5-2 win for the Kraken. I mean, it's... Fun is definitely a word I would use to describe this game because not only did the Kraken get the big win, they took care of business, you get a bunch of fun goals from everybody, but also, you know, I mean, Trevor Zekers is involved, and I'm sorry, everybody. I know he's on a division rival, but, like, that goal was incredible. And shout-out to Jen, who took an awesome picture of him scoring that goal, and Trevor Zegers added it to his own Instagram account to call somebody out with it. That is awesome. <laughs> Absolutely. You beat me to it. I was going to go there right away. But yeah, congrats to our photographer, Jen. I mean, what more proof do you need that she takes some of the best photos in the business that Trevor Zegers himself uh, choosing to use her photo for the Instagram post. So absolutely love to see it. Big dub for Jen, who is in Coachella Valley right now getting mm -hmm. some cool Firebirds photos. 
Yeah, definitely. So we'll we'll throw some of those up uh, in the in the pod and and everything at some point. Um, all right. So otherwise, from a Kraken standpoint in this game, RJ, I mean, the Kraken we're playing a bad team. Anaheim's not good. We know this about Anaheim at this point in the season. Uh, to the point where I mean, the Kraken just dominated literally everything. Uh, as I'm going back and I'm looking at the box score, Kraken even won the faceoff battle. It's awesome. I know that that's how you know uh, the other team isn't very good. Yeah, it, really in every area of the game. You're right. The Kraken just dominated. Yeah, uh, Kraken looking really good in this one. This is where another depth game where it's just everybody's stepping up and doing something. This kind of continued the trend that we mostly talked about last week and it and it kept going into this one where top six is kind of activated again and you're getting goals from guys like uh, Schwartz. You're getting another McCann goal who was just absolutely on fire rj for that stretch of time alexiak's joining the fray again and everybody's just seems like they're picking up points everybody all the way around and then maddie of course picking up two against mason mctavish one of the i don't know he's at this point mctavish maybe more of like one of the fringe threats to his calder race rather than like a legitimate one but it's still nice to see on an espn kind of televised game you're getting maddie Beneers picking up two assists in the first period just looking awesome Definitely. And I think, again, just getting on more people's radars with it being a national game uh, and some eyes drawn to that game, not just for McTavish, but for Trevor Zegras, you know, with that yep. great goal. But you also notice Maddie Benier is playing really well. Uh, so that's another good game for his Calder candidacy. And as we'll see, too, it, it was an interesting week for that just because he also plays against some of the rookie, at least like goal scoring leaders in the future games as well. Yeah, exactly. So it was a, it was a good game for Maddie. I don't know. There's not too much to talk about this one. They were just a better team and they should have been the better team and they were the better team. So it's, it's kind of just like, all right, you know what I mean? Yeah. Pretty drama free. This is what good teams should do to bad teams. That's exactly what they did. Yep. Yep. Awesome. Good stuff there. Now we can, now we can get into some stuff. Okay. Because then, uh, Ottawa comes into town and this is an interesting Ottawa club. They're, you know, kind of playing for their playoff lives. At this moment, they're trying. Uh, they got an outside chance of maybe making the playoffs, but they're going to have to really play well down the stretch. And you know what? They showed up looking like they, they really want to try to make the playoffs. I mean, this this Ottawa team showed up ready to go. Kraken, maybe not so much as you get three. You, you know, you, they find themselves down 3 nothing, 8-27 into this game. Dave Haxtall calls a timeout, doesn't make a goalie switch, though. Sticks with Grubauer, which I think is important. Uh, just calls a timeout. I mean, I know we talked about it on that post game, RJ, but I, that to me spoke volumes about kind of where Haxtell's at as far as trusting Philip Grubauer and the rest of the squad. Definitely. I really, there was no panic in that move. Just, uh, all right, everyone settle down for a second and let's get to work. Um, and I do like the use of the timeout there too. I think the, the two of us have been sometimes critical of Haxtell for maybe not using his timeout as much as we feel he should early in those situations where it feels like things are starting to get off the rails in this one with two goals in 17 seconds to make it three, nothing. You, you kind of have no choice, but to do something. Um, but he leaves Philip Grubauer in there who is pretty clearly been his best goalie of late. And maybe we can talk about the goalie situation a little bit later, mm -hmm. but um, yeah. And, and the Kraken are able to come back. They, they're able to claw their way back slowly, but surely. And at less than halfway through the second period, they tie the game. Yeah. And not only do they tie the game, but then at the start of the third period on a beautiful goal from Vince Dunn, you take the lead, right? Like this is, I'm at that point. I am just like, wow, this Kraken team is so ready for playoff hockey. 
this team i mean all season long we've been talking that they are warriors they're grinders they are a team that never gives up they never think that they're out of a game no matter how kind of ridiculous it can look and and this is a perfect example of that but before i can even have all of those thoughts after that vince dunn goal Claude scores and, the, and Ottawa ties it. And it's just the response goals, RJ. Ah! Yeah, one of those things that keeps coming back all season, the response goals. You know it's crucial shifts right after you score a goal. And this is this is something that the players are aware of. This is not something they just forget yeah. every time. Um, but yeah, you, you get Claude Giroux scoring that response goal. And, and it's a big one to tie the game. Um, and, and it's that, was it that... Um, one-timer from kind of the high circle there and uh okay you got a better look at it than i did was grubauer screened on that like did alexiak move in front and screen him right i'm i'm re-watching it right now as as we speak i'm i'm watching it and here's alexiak i mean the fact that the that this play that this kind of play starts with a turnover in their own zone i mean I, that's obviously a problem that's that's a problem we can talk about i don't think he's screened because i mean that shot is so far out uh, here's the behind the net angle. I mean, Alexiak, yes, is, Alexiak is in front of him. Maybe, maybe Grubauer can't totally see the release, but the bottom line is that's from far enough out that Grubauer is able to track it. It just, it's up over his shoulder. Like he can't get his arm up high enough as I'm watching. Yeah. It. It's just perfectly placed. Yeah. Where, I mean, we, we saw this on the, the Bjorkstrand goal last night, where it's just, if you put a shot right up by the goalie's ear, kind of over yeah. the shoulder, there's nothing they can do about it. Exactly. And I think that's all that happened is, you know, Claude Giroux, he, he's a heck of a player still, apparently. Uh, it took him going to Ottawa for, for everybody to figure that out. But uh, yeah, he's he's still just an elite player, 27th goal on the season. I mean, he's he's just good. Uh, for me, the the big story with this one, besides the the kind of blown lead late, because uh, then they they give up another goal after that uh, to Alex Debrinket, and that ends up being the game for them. The thing for me was just this is one where again it felt like the Kraken, after you know you throw the first ten minutes of the game out, Kraken are the better team. They're playing like the better team. They're dominating everything except for faceoffs, where they got pretty slaughtered. Uh, and I feel like that's, again, one of these things of if as we look at all the games that the Kraken have either underperformed or maybe given away, you go back to the Boston game, you look at this one, you look at the Dallas one, faceoffs and turnovers are really the story of that. And these are mistakes where you're hurting yourself or you're just not being good enough or whatever it is you want to call it. It still feels to me like, RJ, this team can hang with anybody. This Kraken team can hang with anybody that can play with any of the playoff teams, all of that stuff. What causes them to lose against lose games like this are all just the self-inflicted wounds. And I know we've talked about it before, but it just, again, this was another week that just kind of drives that home. And you're just, it's tough. Yeah. And I have a question for you, Dylan. I, I'm curious, which of those two do you think is more worrying? The face-offs or the turnovers? Because I think the turnovers have a much more negative effect. <laughs> they, yeah. they, they can burn you a lot more. Uh, but it seems like those are the easiest to coach and fix. Faceoffs wise, I just don't see how this team this season turns into anything other than what they are at this point. I was gonna say faceoffs. I mean, it it is what it is at this point. Yeah, I, I'm with you. You're not you're not getting better magically. Like nobody gets better 67 games into a season, right? Like the 67th game. Wow, <laughs> Matty Beniers has figured out how to take NHL faceoffs. Right? Like that's not how it works. Um, the turnovers for me is a much bigger issue because you look at it on that Claude Giroux goal, that goal should never happen. Alexiak's got the puck. 
he's got time he can make a pass right like the whole sequence it doesn't it doesn't make sense that Giroud should ever be in a spot where then he can just load up for a perfect one-timer like 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 just two seconds before that goal goes in that shouldn't even be a possibility you look at the Dallas game and again it's the failure to clear the zone it's turnovers that that kill you in that one late again as well uh, and so I, I definitely think it's the turnovers. Yes, it's coachable, but it's also, it's just, it's on guys to make certain plays. Some of them, they've been bad luck as far as like, maybe you get a weird bounce off the boards or the puck just happens to go up on its side and then it rolls away or whatever. But at, for the most part, you look at the Kraken. I mean, they make iffy turnovers. Schultz in this Senators game had a really bad one within your own zone that, that almost got you. Like it's it's just it's bad right now. They just need to figure out how to settle things down and just make clean passes. Just make a clean pass when you've got time and space. Just find somebody. Don't throw it in their skates. Just give it to them tape to tape. Like you know, play some kind of fundamental hockey here. Yeah, and okay, one more question for you. Do you, do you think this is maybe related? Because I, I look at the Kraken and their trend of. You, you know the the trend taking care of business against bad teams and maybe yeah. struggling a little bit against better teams do you think it's that basically the the better teams or the teams that just have the extra finishing skill to beat the kraken when they make mistakes basically to make them pay for their mistakes and that might be what we're seeing as far as you know the difference i know it's just better teams overall you'd expect okay yeah. a playoff team is going to play you tougher overall but the senators again they're not in a playoff spot mm -hmm. they're, they're very hungry and they're very motivated but one thing i see when i watch them is they have a lot of high-end skill and finishing yeah. skill and that's why we see the, uh, the game in ottawa was like eight to four you know they can finish they have guys who can score just the depth isn't maybe as good, which is why they're not as good of a team. But it seems like that kind of blueprint for me, where it's the teams that can make them pay off of these mistakes that really do the best. Yeah. And I think I also, I look at a team like Ottawa and I go, I, I look at what they're doing offensively and the way their players operate and, you know, how active the D is and all that stuff. And I go, that's just a team that is clearly telling their skill players, just go out there and make a play. Like these aren't necessarily all um, scripted offensive sequences that they're going with. Like they're just all feeling it and they're all on the same page and they're all in sync and they all have chemistry and they can just kind of create something on the fly at, with each other and, and know where each other's going to be and, and all of that stuff. And I feel like that's an element that's missing from the Kraken, despite the Kraken being so, you know, uh, being you know top six, top 10 in the, in, um, goal scoring on the season. I, I don't feel like we've ever seen that from the Kraken where it's just like their chemistry just takes over in the offensive zone and they can just go make something happen. Whereas I feel like with all the other playoff teams, it, it's it's very much like that. Like if they get a turnover, they know exactly what they want to do with it. It's not like, oh, okay, I've got this turnover in the offensive zone. Let me slow things down and wait for the team to set up into what we're supposed to do around me. Like that Claude Giroux goal is very simply like, he just is like, oh, you know what? I think I can just take a one-timer here. I can take the slap shot and it'll work. And and I'll just get the puck and I'm just going to be in this spot. And and here we go. And everybody's just like down with that. And I, and I feel like that's something the Kraken struggle with because the Kraken are very like kind of scripted. This is what the play dictates type of team, including defensively. And when you're playing these playoff teams, you're playing teams with high skill players. 
sometimes skilled players they're just they just get creative like trevor zegers on that goal he just got creative he was just like oh i think this is what it'll take to score and he did it and i feel like the kraken aren't good at dealing with that they're not good at, at dealing when somebody just starts doing something in front of them that isn't kind of fitting with like what the norm is the kraken don't know how to adjust to it at all yeah, no, I, I think you make a good point there, and especially in that Stars game, too, where especially their top line, too, you know, the Robertson, mm -hmm. Hintz, and Pavelski, the way that they can improvise on plays, uh, it gave the Kraken fits at times. Yeah, it, you yeah, you look at that um, at that first goal, and, and you, you normally, you would expect, like, a Lindell to take a shot there or something in close. You're not expecting him to throw this big path across the front of the crease there to somebody, but sure enough, that player is wide open and he's got now got a yawning cage. I just think that those are the kinds of things that the Kraken struggle with is if if a team has somebody who can be creative and and kind of think outside of the box, the Kraken aren't necessarily always prepared for that. And I get it. You you can't always prepare, prepare for that, right? Like that's why it's out of the box. But I, I do feel like that's that's the thing that kind of I is the takeaway for me watching those games against those teams. Mm -hmm. no, I think that's a good point. Yeah. Um, otherwise, in this one, you know, the the PK was was really the shining star for me for for the Kraken in the Senators game. You hold the Senators team. We just talked about how skilled they can be. Hold them to 0 for 4. And again, they were trying stuff on those power plays. Like, it wasn't like, oh, this is just the power play system they run. We know how to stop it. And we stopped it. They just, they did a good job of really disrupting uh, any sort of like interior passing that the Senators wanted to get going to kind of feel it a little bit. Certainly, like a Brady Kachuk wants to get involved in something like that. And they just kept it from happening completely. Yeah, the PK was, I believe, perfect. And then you also. And you also had a shorthanded goal from Jared McCann, where I know it's off a lucky bounce off a Senators player, but to generate that rush too, that's a legitimate scoring chance. Uh, and Jared McCann has really added this element to the to the PK that I really like, where it's a bit more of that that power kill type of setup that you saw last season from the Kraken, mm -hmm. where he can go the other way and be a danger on these two on one rushes if if it breaks that way. Um, and I mean, it really shows he can do it all. We we talked about him being just on this heater score wise um but he's, he's just got a, such a well-rounded game as far as where he can help you yeah i mean i talked last night and and we can kind of transition over to the stars game talking about like the defensive depth at center that the kraken have in that you can trust somebody like a maddie Beniers to play two-way and and trust him defensively you can trust alexander wenberg you can trust yanni gord you can trust jared mccann you know, I mean, we saw this at times last season, especially when he had to play center. I mean, he very much understands and knows what to do to play defensively in his own zone. And what we're seeing from him now is how to take that and transition that and turn that into offense when when possible. Because uh, you don't see many teams, RJ, where their leading goal scorer, like by a lot, is also like playing shorthanded minutes out there. You know what I mean? Yeah, I know it's become more of a trend to kind of get your skill players involved in the PK and, and one that I'm really supportive of. Um, but yeah, not everyone can do it. Not all these top line players can do that. Uh, but Jared McCann absolutely can. And uh, I think Dave Haxtell sees that. And I think it also helps just how kind of evenly Haxtell distributes his ice time. You don't have McCann getting you know, 22, 23 minutes or something on a, on a night where yeah. they was really loading up the forwards. So he's able to do that and kind of fit that shorthanded time into what he does. Exactly. Um, so then as we, as we look towards this Dallas game, RJ, it's another kind of heartbreaker 
this time you at least pick up a point, which, you know, we'll, we're going to get to the playoff discussion here after, after talking about this game, but you at least pick up a point. You play pretty well in overtime. Again, you control possession for most of it. Maybe not the best shot selection on the couple times you do take a shot. Uh, and then it just takes like kind of a really solid play to beat you um, from Haskinen going the other way. But it's it's all about that Pavelski with a minute 10 left, tying the game. Just It was absolute chaos in the Kraken zone zone. Everything had broken down completely and, and the Kraken unable to anytime they kind of touched the puck really be able to control it solidly enough just to get it out of the zone. Yeah. And, and that's just kind of the killer there. And, and it's, it's absolute chaos, as you mentioned, right in front of the net. And we kind of broke this down uh, on the post game as we were thinking about it. Okay. Where do you want to assign the blame on this one? And I, was a firm believer that once you have all six Kraken players, including Philip Grubauer, just kind of sprawled out in the crease in front of the net. At that point, you just have to pray there. There's nothing more you can really do at that point. It's just chaos and the puck's either going to hit you or it's not. Uh, the important bit is just getting the puck out of the zone when you have a chance. And that's an area where they kind of failed in the play leading up to that, where you need to get a clear, even if you're risking icing the puck uh, when you have the opportunity to do that. So that's kind of what I look at with that goal. It's a tough break. I mean, it's a really skilled play by Joe Pavelski. You talked about the overtime winner being just a really good play, but Pavelski gets that shot out pretty wide. It's a bad angle. It's you you got to get that through a bunch of traffic. Um, he's such a skilled player. We shouldn't be surprised that he can do that, but man, it, it, it's just a tough one. It's yeah. It was just, it's after that senator's game and the way that one ended. Uh, for the Kraken kind of here, back-to-back games, to work back, you tie the, again, in this one, you tie the game in the third period, halfway through the third period. You you get the go-ahead power play goal, right, with not a ton, with less than five minutes left in the game, right? And then to, to end up having to go to overtime, that's not, you know, talk about playoff teams, talk about good teams, that's not something a good team's going to find it themselves doing all too often and here the Kraken kind of did it twice back to back and it and it makes you wonder and it makes you go okay well how how ready are we for the playoffs in fact it, it's just a bummer because it takes away from the rest of this game against the stars where I felt like the Kraken played so well and they were able to do so many things right and they were able to hang with this team that's been at the top of the Western Conference forever this season you know what I mean and and I just it's it's just so unfortunate that kind of again this one issue that you've been dealing with all season long the inability to clear your zone can result in such a panicked and frantic situation that that then you end up you know giving up this tying goal late and you've got to deal with all those questions again about blowing a lead and all of that it's not something that they should have had to deal with uh based on how they played through the rest of this game really and it could erase a lot of the good feelings from performing quite well in it what was really a playoff style slog yeah. from a lot of the game there was a stretch of over 12 minutes of game time in the late second and early third period it kind of carried over to the third where there were no shots on goal for either team mm-hmm. and that that is kind of playoff style hockey only a coach could love but it shows that that the gaps are all being controlled that both teams were so mistake averse yeah, uh, and that's that's really what you see when every shift matters so much in the playoffs, and, and it's really one mistake that can cost you everything. And, and 
that the Kraken were playing with the stars. They were hanging with them the whole way. Uh, and it was really good hockey. And especially to have the discipline to do that when you're trailing, because mm -hmm. that stretch came when the Kraken were down two to one. Right. And it can be really tempting to maybe pinch a little, that little bit extra to get back in the game, try and chase that tying goal. But the Kraken didn't do that at all. They didn't worry mm -hmm. about trying to get it there because they knew there was plenty of game time left. And it ended up paying off as you have Ryan Donato able to get the job done and tie it. And then you wait for a power play opportunity to go take the lead. Uh, it, it's just, it's a really good playoff style, yeah. you know, mindset that you need to have. And there were a lot of positives to come from this one, but that's the cruel part of hockey is that that all can be erased in one chaotic sequence with a minute to go. You know, when you have a one goal lead, you're always going to get that push from the other team with the goalie pulled. It's just, it's something you've got to live with. And unfortunately the stars get it done. I agree with you in a vacuum, yeah. this game and the Ottawa game, if they were just separated by a few weeks, probably wouldn't be thinking much of it. But the fact that they come back to back, means that it's going to be talked about quite a bit. Exactly. And I agree with everything you were saying about, about the playoff style. I felt like this was a game that was what Dave Hackstall has wanted this team to be all along, where it's you grind it out, you get a couple goals, you get some dirty goals, you get net front presence goals with like the Everly goal where it actually gets tipped by both Maddie and Ebbs on its way in, but it's because you have both guys net front in a position to do so. Uh, from a point shot, you get the Donato goal where, again, you're creating chaos in front of their net, right? Like that's, it's mm -hmm. like kind of the same situation. Dallas had to go through that too. And and Ryan Donato is able to get that game tying goal because he was just, you know, in the right spot battling and able to, to get on it. Uh, and then you let your power play kind of do the rest for you. Right. And you and you pick up a power play goal off of a nice skilled uh, improvised play, I think, from Wenberg to, to Bjorkstrand, because uh, it seemed like the scripted play was actually for the done shot that led to then the, the <laughs> rebound sequence that, that they were able to make that happen. Um, but that's that's what, you know, I, it feels like based on everything Hackstall has said for the last year and a half or two years or whatever it's been. Uh, that's what he's wanted to play and because he knows that that's how you, you're going to have to play come playoff time. You're going to have to grind out some goals and then rely on things like your power play. You know, those things become so valuable in the playoffs, RJ. You got you to gotta rely on those things to score. You can't rely on maybe necessarily Jared McCann shorthanded goals to score and be the offense for you in a game or, or anything like that. This is the stuff that you can you want to be more dependable and more reliable for you. And so it was kind of interesting to see that from the Kraken and see that, hey, they are capable of doing that against a team that is going to be a playoff team. Like Dallas is going to the playoffs, too. Uh, so it was kind of encouraging to see that the Kraken could play that way. It was just the the whole finish just just made it so sour. <laughs> yeah. And, and how you beat a top tier goalie, too, because you look yeah. at Jake Ottinger, one of the league's top goalies, yep. and he looked like it last night. I mean, he was on his angles. He looked so impressive in person. Mm -hmm. And normally the name of the game in that situation, especially in the playoffs, is just can you put three by this guy? Can you manufacture three goals against a goalie who is going to stop everything that he sees? Mm -hmm. And that's exactly what the Kraken did. And that's a huge positive. The Eberly goal that you know bounces off him and Beneers, there is nothing any goalie can do about that. Yep. Uh, the Donato goal, it's chaos in front of the net. You're hacking and whacking and, and Ottinger can't square up to it. And the Bjorkstrand goal, 
that's where the skill comes in. The mm -hmm. power play to put a guy in a position where he's skilled enough to get a shot right by the goalie's ear. If you watch that replay, he's just it just buzzes right by the mm -hmm. ear hole of his mask. There's nothing you can do as a goalie there. Uh, and so that's how you manufacture three goals because the, the old cliche, it's a 3-2 league. And certainly in playoff time, I think that comes yeah. into effect. If you can just create three goals against a goalie that stops everything that he sees, mm -hmm. that's how you win games. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, you know, we, we talked about it on the post game, kind of the different strategies involved, getting behind the Dallas defense, having them turn their back on the plate. They kind of shut down. We talked about that. I think that's going to be key for them because, hey, guess what? You Next game is against Dallas. You know, on, on today, for most of you listening, we're recording this on Sunday. Uh, but but on this Monday, for, for everybody listening this the day it comes out, the, it's a Dallas game. And, oh, yeah, look at that. Look at that schedule for next week. Dallas again. <laughs> Like this, or in a little bit here. Uh, there's just a lot of Dallas on the schedule, and it's a team that I think is is a good. Um, they're they're a good like kind of example of what a playoff team is in this league, where they've got solid top six that's going to score goals for them. They've got good defense, you know, a good top four on the defense. They've got a really good goaltender. Like it's a it's a good kind of prototypical playoff team for the Kraken to try things out here and and work on things and so you know we saw that from them in that first one hopefully they get a, a slightly better result in the next two but speaking of playoffs RJ let's talk about playoffs let's talk about format let's talk about where the Kraken kind of fit into all of this first things first let's address the elephant in the room and that is that the NHL has the worst ever playoff formatting of just all time any league in any space universe whatever it is it's bad. Uh, they they switched. I don't even know how many years ago now. It feels recent, but I'm sure it's st still been like six or seven years. Uh, I think 2014 maybe might have been when they did it, in which case it's even longer. Uh, but the way the playoffs work in the NHL, for, for those that are unaware, is that each division, there's two divisions per conference. Each division, the top three teams in the division go. Uh, they're going to create their own kind of little bracket. Uh, like a, like in the Western Conference here, there will be a Central Division bracket and a Pacific Division bracket. And the top three teams in each division go into their respective brackets. And then the two wildcard teams will get split up and one will go to one bracket and one will go to the other based off of seeding. The top overall Western Conference team will face the second wildcard team and then the top the first wildcard team will go into that other division. Looking at things now, RJ, the Pacific Division for a while now has been Vegas, Los Angeles, Seattle in that order, Edmonton being the top wild card, which would, um, well, no, not anymore. Actually, Vegas would be pulling Winnipeg as the second wild card right now if, if everything ended today. Um, but, uh, you know, you look at things for, for the Kraken here, looks, they, I mean, they just seem kind of locked into this third spot. <laughs> yeah, that's what it's starting to, to appear like. And we talked about you know, maybe a week or two ago about every game was going to be so crucial for for a playoff chase and for seeding and everything. And we were going to be following this race minute by minute. But the way it's shaking out with Calgary just falling flat on their face mm -hmm. with Nashville already having sold off and with Winnipeg not looking very good, it looks like a playoff spot is basically just assured for the Kraken at this point. I just don't see any of those teams getting their act together enough. I mean, the Kraken have, you know, what is it? A 10 point 10 lead on both yeah. of them. I mean, that is quite a lead at this point in the season. So it would take an epic collapse to, to be worried about maybe not making the playoffs. So you, then you're talking about seeding. And when it comes to seeding Vegas and LA, just keep winning, 
they're really kind of pulling away. And the Kraken do have games coming up though against Vegas, against LA. So mm -hmm. you do have the games against them, but you also have Dallas a couple more times coming up. You know, are you going to be able to get points there uh, while Vegas and LA keep winning? It just feels like they're getting stuck in this third spot. Is Edmonton going to be able to catch you? You still have a game in hand and a point up and, and you've got to, for the Kraken, you've got a weak enough schedule. You should be able to take care of business against those bad teams. It, to me, it just feels like they're getting stuck in that spot. And, and, and if that's the case, then it's just all on the chance of, okay, who's between Vegas and LA, who's going to come out on top. And you're doing more scoreboard watching for the other teams than you're really worried yeah. about your own results. Yeah, exactly. Because if, if you're going to be the third seed, you're going to be playing that second seed. And, um, and, and yeah, right now that would be Los Angeles. I'm with you. It, it just kind of feels like where they were. The only thing I'm worried about the scoreboard I'm really watching because you, you know, you can't really totally control which team you're going to have to face if you're in that third spot, who's going to be first, who's going to be second. For me, the thing that I'm worried about is you don't want to be in the wild card spot and, and mm -hmm. you don't want to switch with Edmonton as that top wild card because it's possible that you're then, you know, you're going to have to face, say, maybe a Vegas if Vegas keeps rolling or if Dallas gets going. And if, and let's say, let's say the Kraken drop the next two against Dallas. That's going to help out Dallas try to be the top seed in the Western Conference. All of a sudden, you got to go to Dallas for a playoff series. You really don't want something like that to, to go on either. Um, or, you know what I mean? Something like something like that. So, I, um, yeah, I, I think the Kraken, the, the team, the only thing I'm worried about is them falling into a wild card spot. I think you want to stay in the Pacific Division bracket if possible. And you just you want to finish as high as possible too. You just don't want to have to worry about things. I think there's just extra stresses in this current playoff format with being a wild card team. You just don't want to deal with, and the the kind of idea of that, especially when the Kraken have been top three for basically all year. You don't want to feel like oh, at the end we kind of fell off a little bit and ended up in the wild card. I just think psychologically it doesn't benefit you. So I'm, but yeah, I'm with you. I don't know that the Kraken right now could catch a Vegas or Los Angeles. Those teams are just playing out of their minds. They're winning every single night. And the bottom line is Kraken aren't right now. They're now, you know, they're finding ways of sometimes getting points like in that Dallas game. But I, I just, I don't know that they've, that they've got the juice to, to keep up with a Vegas or Los Angeles, or certainly at this point, try to pass them. But I mean, this is kind of what to, what's to be expected, right? Vegas added at the deadline. LA added at the deadline. They're very much more both within their windows. They have to be going for it right now. Edmonton adding at the deadline very much within their window. The Kraken are just kind of a little ahead of schedule here. And and they acted like that. Yeah, and the the Kings and the Golden Knights, they've been here before. Yeah. They they know this game of how important it is to to find ways to bank points and sometimes that means getting to overtime. Uh whereas the Kraken, they really haven't been in this spot before, maybe individually as players, but not as a team together. And I think you're maybe seeing that inexperience start to show a little bit. Mm -hmm. Um and and there's nothing wrong with that. You know, these are the lessons you need to learn. Uh, and and I think the Kraken have done a good job learning the lessons uh, that they've come across so far this season. So maybe we'll see some improvement there. But yeah, at the end of the day, it's about teams that are finding ways to take points out of games versus a team that's just falling a little bit behind in that regard. And so I, I don't see them catching L.A. or Vegas. But follow up question on that, Dylan. Yes. Is that actually a good thing? <laughs> because yeah and i mean this starting a series on the road and then we can it, it's looking a little bit ahead 
But the elephant in the room is the Kraken's home versus road record differential. I mean, the Kraken have now, after this Dallas game, have now lost more games at Climate Pledge Arena this season than they've won. Yeah. And and yet they're 21-9-3 and on the road, uh, one of the top road records in the league. Is it good to maybe start out a series on the road? I, yeah, it's one of those things like everybody will tell you, no, it's not. But I think for this Kraken team, it very much is like they've just they every single time that this Kraken team has looked rough and then they've gone on a road trip, they instantly figure it out like the, it's a, the first game on the road. They just look like a better team. They roll through the road trip. It's what kind of helped them out here at the beginning of this current month. You look back at the beginning of, of 2023 in January and that historic road trip they had. This team is just better on the road, whether it's the Mario Kart, whether it's whatever it is, they're just better on the road. And so it's one of those things you don't want to take that for granted and assume like, yeah, I'm fine being the third seed. We're better on the road. That'll actually mean we could get out of the first round. Like you don't want to do that because the playoffs are a different animal. But I really don't think it's the end of the world if the Kraken have to start a playoff series on the road. I just don't. I think there's just so much more solid uh, out there playing in playing in other barns for whatever reason and you know what i just looked this up uh vegas and dallas because i was thinking okay if you play la on the road i think that's their start on the road in la that's ideal because yes i just think the la matchup is best yeah but if you do fall into that wild card spot and you face a vegas or a dallas yeah both of those teams have worse home records than their road records yep they do. They're much better home records than the Kraken have, but they're yes. they're definitely <laughs> also both better on the road. So, yeah, it's it'll be it'll be an interesting one. You know, Vegas is a tough place to go in for a playoff series and play in. Like it, it just is very tough. I I I would not want to be going into Vegas, Dallas. I don't know. Maybe maybe that one's a little. Maybe that one's a little easier. I don't have this kind of preconceived notion about it being like just ridiculous having to go into Dallas for a playoff series the way I kind of do for Vegas where it's like wow you got to really like outperform to, to make up for that crowd at disadvantage um so yeah I I don't know but I think I think the Kraken what if what I would be focusing on if I'm the Kraken is just keep yourself in that third spot in the Pacific don't become a wild card team I think that's the battle to fight and win and and the lessons that you can learn and all of that stuff I think that's where it is. It's not necessarily about trying to go on some insane push to try to catch a Vegas and try to finish, you know, top of the conference. I mean, that's still technically on the board for the Kraken is to be the top team in the Western Conference. But I think I think as far as what what you kind of can't allow to happen being a little more important and that's I don't think you want to be a wild card team. Yeah, no, I agree with you on that. And if you can just stay tucked into that third spot you know that may be the best outcome yeah now we we talk about all this stuff and i started it off talking about by how terrible the playoffs format is in the nhl with these weird little mini brackets and the division stuff and it was done to promote rivalries blah 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 but it just it hasn't worked and it's convoluted for any new fan coming in to try to figure out and all that stuff used to be rj each conference top eight teams from the conference made it three divisions top three you know, if you're best in your division, you made it uh, as the one through three seeds based on points. And then the rest were just wild card. You had five wild card spots. Sidney Crosby talked about it at the all-star game. Wants to go back to that format. You think we're going back to that format? I do. I do. I think it's inevitable. Really? You, you do think it'll happen? I mean, I think a lot of people want it, but because it's the NHL, I'm just not getting my hopes up. If Sidney Crosby is saying 
us players <laughs> want this. Because he wasn't just saying, oh, I if want If he's this. expressing an opinion on something, that it Basically. should be different than the way it is. Yes, if he is putting himself out there and he's saying something that is counter to what the NHL is saying, and, and I believe him when he says, look, I just talked to all these other players and we all want this, it must mean like every single person must want this for him to do something like that because he has just never done that he's been the face of this league for a long time and he has never once really kind of done that and spoken up against what the nhl is saying they think is good and so for him to do that tells me that there is significant sentiment amongst the players that they want it to go back to the way it was that tells me my guess is next CBA. Maybe we see things go back to the way it was. Because if you're the ownership, wouldn't you rather give them the playoff format they want rather than say like a better pension plan or better medical insurance, right? Like that's that seems like an easy easy kind of bone to throw them in the next CBA negotiation. So that's why I think it'll happen. Okay, I, I can I can see that. Yeah, that's true. There's no real money attached to it, so you can you can give them that. It's no problem. Exactly. Uh, now here here comes the question. Let's say the playoff format goes back to the way it was. RJ, you've been of the mindset uh, with some other people that you believe the top seeds should be able to pick their opponents. It shouldn't just be one plays eight, two plays seven, three plays six, so on. You believe that they should pick their opponents. I do. I think it would generate a ton of drama, a ton of intrigue. And honestly, more important than that, I think it would make the seating mean more. And I think that's something that really we, we need to see in the NHL, especially with this playoff format being what it is. And you have teams, especially you need to look no further than the Eastern Conference, where you already know that the Leafs and Lightning are going to be playing each other in the first round of the playoffs. You've known that for a long time already and there's really not a whole lot either has to play for except for maybe home ice in that potential series but it's going to be such a slog i don't know that it's going to matter um you basically just get these races that aren't very interesting at these two and three spots often and so it would make this the seating matter a lot more because instead of just being matched with whoever team you're matched with and sometimes there are teams that kind of fall down in the wild card i mean heck you you look at minnesota finishing or right now, if, if, if it were to the season were to end today, finishing second in the central and, and doing as well as they're doing, their reward would be Colorado in that third seed, who's technically a lower seed. Maybe you don't want to sign up to face the defending no. cup champs. Um, and so maybe you wouldn't pick them as a team potentially, but, um, or, or you'd have incentive to maybe try and move up a spot. So you wouldn't be, you know, matched with them. It's uh, it would create a lot more value to these seeds, which would make the regular season matter more. I think that's a problem for the NHL mm -hmm. where ultimately we're, we're talking about this for the Kraken. Like, Oh yeah, the games, I guess, as long as you just pick up generally enough points, you get in the top eight, you're generally okay. There's no real bad outcome versus if you're fighting, for individual seeds here and the chance to pick your opponent uh mm -hmm. that makes a much bigger difference yeah I'm, I'm totally with you i you know it would certainly make the regular season mean more i don't think that we could ever get the regular season to mean enough so to speak just because it's yeah i know too i'm speaking long. your language with that i know if yeah. it was up to you the regular season champion would just be the stanley cup champion yep i would have it be a hundred game season for everybody and then whoever's got the most point at the end is the champion because it's the large it's a larger sample size that tells you then that that's the better team that's logical i'm sorry okay playoffs uh, it, playoffs were designed to make money they were not designed to choose the best team particularly <laughs> in a sport like hockey but that's a different argument for a different day. Uh, I, I, I think that here's my only problem. I'd be fine with it, RJ. I really would. 
the the teams choosing who they face in the in the playoffs. I just think that teams would ultimately just choose who they would have played if it wasn't that way. The first seed will always choose the eighth seed. The second seed will always choose the seventh seed, and so on and so forth, just because they don't want to add any sort of bulletin board material or added pressure to themselves of let's say you're the first seed and you say screw it we want this one particular team because they're our rival but they're the fourth seed and so we're taking them and and you don't want them to do something like that and then you lose that series like that's like a, an automatic way to get fired as a coach or to to have a lot of pressure put on you as the general manager like whoever's in charge of making that decision like You've just shortened your, you know, life expectancy in this league significantly for for basically no good reason at all. And so I just think that uh, at the end of the day, you wouldn't see teams really take a chance on anything just because they wouldn't want to risk the, you know, one in ten out outlook of it going bad for them. So what Dylan is saying is that he believes that they're cowards. NHL... Yes. Okay. There you go. You're, you're saying. I'll say you, it. You, I'll say it. I got no worries saying it. Every, they're all fire cowards. Up the Vince Dunn clip from the other game. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, but I just I just think like if the the first first seed to do something like that to choose a, a, a strong opponent and then get bounced in the first round, it's just game over for whoever made that decision. Just no way around it. Yeah, I I, I think sometimes teams will behave that way. I don't. Do you think the Kraken would behave that way? And I'm, I'm saying if if they had, because they listen to the, I'd say they listen to their analytics department. Uh-huh. They're they are a more you know kind of forward thinking organization. You don't think if all the numbers told them, and if and let's say they were you know three and zero season series against a team that was like one seed higher, you don't think they would they would pick the team that they felt like they matched up better against. I, look, maybe maybe it depends on like who's who's kind of making the call here. But RJ, you've talked to you talked to Dave Haxtall almost every single day. Does he yeah. strike you as a man that would want to do something like that, go out on a limb like that, and and give the opposing team bulletin board material? Does Ron Francis strike you as a guy who would want to go out and give a team he's now got to play in the playoffs like bulletin board material of Hey, we think you're the weakest opponent, and so we're choosing you. I don't think that either of them are the kinds of person that want to do that. Because when I think of this Kraken organization from like top to bottom, conservative is the word that comes to mind. I Well, one thing they say more than anything is just that they're confident in their own team and that we just worry about our own game and we can beat anybody. But what a conservative thing to say. That's what I'm saying, right? It's safe. Like everything about them is safe. I don't see either of them being the kinds of people that would want to do something like that and give another team ammunition. Well, I mean, well, that's their outward stance, but you really think they don't scout game film for their opponents. If you, if you listen to Dave Haxtell, you'd believe, you know, to what he's just saying outwardly, you'd think that they just don't ever watch film on other teams, you know, (laughs) that they only worry about their own game. Like, I, I just don't think that's the case. I, no, I, I think that they scout for other teams, but this would be a massive outward expression of what you're believing internally and what your internal stuff is. And the Kraken have never once wanted to give us anything like that. Like you just I, said, he makes it sound like they don't even watch film. They're going to go out and choose <laughs> some other seed to play in a playoff series? I I mean, again, you look at the board. Do you it's think you're, you're picking Winnipeg out of every team in the West? Like, let's say you had the one seed. Are you picking Winnipeg after playing those close games in overtime? Are you picking a series that's going to grind you down like Winnipeg? What, are you, are you picking pick- LA, who you've who you've pretty reliably beat several times this season? 
yeah granted it hasn't been la since some of the 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 moves that they've made but yeah i mean like i i don't i don't know that you would reach and do in a los angeles there i think they would probably take and again, when when winnipeg like you look at it winnipeg's got 37 wins la's got 38 yeah it's not like maybe are you not that based on stretch, one extra but... win are you picking the team that you've that you've matched up against worse consistently this season yeah but one of those games against the Kings not... was 9-8 rj like you're gonna give them the bulletin board material to try to beat you 10-9 <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, you look at the games that aren't nine eight. You know, you 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 had yeah. a three two win against them, and you had a five a four to one yeah. win against I, them. It's, I, yeah, I don't know. I I agree with you. Look, I I I think I said it the second game of the season when they played in Los Angeles, and I was there, and I was like, hey, this Kraken team knows how to beat this Kings team. Like the Kings team is better, but the Kraken know how to beat this Kings team. Okay, I am totally on board with you. But no, I don't think Ron Francis, or Dave Haxtall, whoever's making this decision. Maybe, maybe you have the players all vote on it. Maybe that's how these decisions get made. But I just, I don't see them stepping out and making a decision like that. I just don't. I'm sorry. I think, I think Vegas is the kind of organization and culture that could do something like that. But I don't think the Kraken have, the Kraken haven't shown me anything that would tell me they would do something like that. Yeah. Oh, I, and I guess part of that too, for the regular season, making it more important too, even if you're just going to go the standard route and you're just going to, you know, pick whatever team is the lower seed, you're going to be fighting harder to maybe try and pass Vegas if you can, to make sure they can't pick you yes. <laughs> that, you know, maybe you don't match up well against them to make sure there's not some higher seeded team that has just, just has your number and has beaten you every time this season that wouldn't automatically get matched up against you. Yeah. that all of a sudden can just go ahead and pick you and you can get picked. Yeah. I, I think that also puts kind of this fear into teams that might be beneficial for things. <laughs> I was going to say, I don't know that like, as like leaders of men, you ever want like fear to be one of your motivators, but it, it oh, works. Oh, come on. It's... <laughs> It would work. I don't know that that's again the most sustainable, healthy culture you want to create, but it would it would certainly be a, a healthy motivator come this time of year. <laughs> you don't think teams on the playoff bubble are motivated by fear of missing it? Well, I think they are, but that's why you know we've only seen one eight seed ever win. <laughs> it's 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 not necessarily conducive to 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 sustainability i guess is what i'm saying at some point you break and you run out and you're just willing to let the the darkness swallow you you know what i mean that's 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 what the nhl playoffs have proven to us um i was gonna say daryl sutter is the one guy who could ever finish with the first seed and he would then choose the second seed uh as his playoff opponent just to be like we're gonna be we're, we're just better than everybody and we're gonna take out the toughest stuff first well, that's the other wrinkle, too, is if you're looking at it, I I've heard the argument before from some teams, and especially with the way that it's formatted now, that like if you're the one seed and you're playing the winner of two and three, or if you're you know one of the two or three and you're going to play one in the second round, most likely, yeah. that you'd rather face that team, knowing that you're probably going to have to face them anyway. Like, mm -hmm. it, you know, if a Just team in the East, the if you believe that Boston is legit, that the road through the playoffs is going to go through Boston this year, and there's a good reason to believe that it might. Like if you, you know, if you could, well, I guess, you know, the Boston would have the top seed. But again, my point is if there's a good opponent, like, you know, it's, it's a close one and two and you feel like that road mm -hmm. to the cup is going to go through that other seed, you'd rather play them healthy. You'd yeah. rather play them when you're not banged up. You feel like it's better to get them out of the way early. Mm -hmm. I don't know. So I, I've heard that line of thinking. I, you know, personally, if I'm an NHL player, <laughs> I'm down with that because I would rather just try to get rip that bandaid off if, if I have to. Like if, if this good team is going to have to end my season, 
I, I would either rather just get it over with and, and be like, look, I get to go spend time now with my family, like for realsies, instead of the last <laughs> six months where it's like I barely get to see them. And also I get more vacation time to let my body recover after a ridiculous 82 game season. Uh, I, I would just be all about that. You know, you're, you're, you're playing in the NHL. You're a millionaire. Why not have a, a couple extra months of, of some summertime there if you have to? And on the flip side, you just if you win, you just beat the best team and you feel like now is your best chance ever to go win a stanley cup and what an incredible feeling that would be so yeah i'm i would be of that mindset i just again i think there's like two you're not a coward like all the people who exactly i'm not a coward i i want i want longer vacation time (laughs) it's it's coming from a different place of weakness i guess it's the look (laughs) if i'm not going to be able to beat this team anyway i might as well just lose earlier and get to spend more time with loved ones (laughs) like why not I get to go spend more time in Cabo. Like, boo-hoo, boo-hoo for me. I'm a, I'm a big loser. Ha-ha. <laughs> That's, that would be my mindset in all of this. <laughs> well, there you go. Maybe the... Maybe if you talk about it enough, you know, Ron Francis could be persuaded on that. <laughs> Just go... Go pick a top seed. I think it's a better argument than, hey, you don't want Vegas to be picking us because they're just gonna slaughter us. I think that's a, it's a better it's a better motivator than maybe that. Maybe. <laughs> there we go. All right, we, we've got the two pronged attack there. Maybe one of those arguments yeah, will work. I, I am. I would bet on yours to probably work more effectively. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, let us all know uh, which which you would prefer. Everybody, what what kind of your situation you would you would like if yeah. if this was what motivates you past. more, fear or vacation? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh fear or not working <laughs> that's basically it there you go um all right so with this last little bit here on the deep dive rj that we have i uh we got some questions for each other about the team i think i think i went a little overboard and, and made like maybe maybe too many questions here but we're gonna go through it uh i gave you a sneak peek already rj just to like when i was pitching this idea with a with a certain one so let's start with that one and i want to know from you rj with the seattle kraken team which goal milestone is more likely in your mind to happen? Jared McCann reaching 40 goals on the season or Maddie Beneers getting to 25? Right now, Jared uh, McCann is at mm-hmm. 33. Maddie Beneers is at 19. So, I mean, you're talking about McCann needing seven versus Beneers needing six. Yeah. I, that one feels pretty easy to me. I'm going to go with McCann yeah. reaching 40. I mean, he's the, the much hotter hand right now. It's a very close goal total that they would need. You know, I, I, yes. I think McCann's more likely to get seven than Veneers is to get six. Yeah, well, with him regressing up into the stratosphere, he's past the clouds at this point. He's into the stratosphere with his shooting percentage. I'm with you. I think it's more likely for McCann. And last night is should have been more likely 40 or 50 for McCann. Again, yeah. at this rate, exponential 45. growth here in the shooting percentage. Yes, I know. He'll be shooting 200% by the time the season's over. <laughs> it's, it's insane. Uh, and the the thing that really sold it for me was last night, Maddie, you get a, you're, you're th- like three feet in front of the goaltender and you get a tip on the puck and you still don't get credited for the goal because someone else comes through and tips it between you and the net somehow. Like that tells me Maddie Veneers, he's just truly snake bitten. I don't know. Maybe I should have been Jared McCann 40, Maddie Veneers 20. Yeah, just with the odds of him getting one more goal that isn't taken from him by another tip closer to the net. What does Jordan Everly need that goal for? He's an old man. He's got a bunch of them. He doesn't need that. No, he doesn't. World Juniors legend. He doesn't. He doesn't need any more on his resume. Uh, goals on his resume. Come on. Yeah, old old man who's four years older than me. Uh, 
<laughs> All right. Uh, next, next question I have for you, RJ. This one's a little tougher. Right now, if you sort this Kraken team by goals, tied for third with Jaden Schwartz is Daniel Sprong. Do you think Daniel Sprong will finish top five on this Kraken team in goal scoring? Oh, that's a really good question. And it's it's kind of in that same vein of one that I had prepared for you. Oh, interesting. Um, I don't. Okay. Because, yeah, I mean, he's, he's still, you know, putting up points when he gets into the lineup. He's he's just looked a little bit less than, than what he had been early in the season finishing-wise. And it's just because... Jaden Schwartz is kind of hot on his heels. I'd imagine Schwartz would get at least another few to move ahead of him. And, and Eberle's close to, you know, Bjorkstrand if he turns it on. There, there's so many names that could potentially pass him. It's such a tight race. I mean, you've got, uh, what, like eight players between the, the 11 and 16 yeah. goals. You know, yeah. I just think someone, uh, more than two people are going to pass him. I was going to say, it would take Everly to, to score two and pass him. It would take Bjorkstrand then to be really the person that would kick Sprong out of the top five. Bjorkstrand's looked pretty good here. His shooting percentage is climbing. He's up to 8.2, everybody. Remember when he was at like 1.4, like a month and a half into the season, something just absolutely ridiculous. Bjorkstrand is definitely regressing in the right direction there. Um, yeah, I, I put that in and, um, you know, I don't normally call people out on podcasts, RJ, but uh, hopefully striatic if you're listening you don't go and give us some terrible apple podcast review because of this all right it's not it's not what i was it'll be for. because of something else don't worry <laughs> that's a good point that's a good point all right do you want to you want to throw one my way before i just keep yeah going? let's go because i'm sure you you've got more prepared than yeah. i do so this one requires you actually no we'll, we'll stick with the one that's like kind of the top five goal scoring that i had but um does ellie tolvanen crack the the top I'll go top six in Kraken goal scoring. Ooh, so right now that would be Bjorkstrand sitting in that sixth spot with 14 goals. Tolvanen sitting with 11 goals in his 32 games as a Kraken. Uh, you look at actually Sprong might actually, be the yeah. guy kind of to beat. Right, it might be Sprong. Can he get five goals is, is really it. He's He's cooled off. He's cooled off pretty significantly here. I didn't like what I saw from him on the power play yesterday, just playing, you know, catch with Vince Dunn. That was not inspiring, especially remembering, you know, Vince Dunn always was like, yeah, I love passing him because he actually shoots the puck. That was all I could think of was that, that sound bite. <laughs> they were just passing back and forth. I'm going to say no. I don't think he does. Okay. Yeah. All right. Because you know what? All of this, all of my answers, secretly, I'm playing 4D chess here. I know they're all listening to this podcast right now. I hear, I see you all. I see you all listening to this, staring intently at us. Uh, and I'm trying to motivate you all. This is how I do it. <laughs> By not believing in you. <laughs> Prove me wrong. That's, yeah, that's right. Every, all that, okay, players, <laughs> all the Kraken players, Dylan does not believe in you. He doesn't think you can do it. Kraken front office, he thinks you're all cowards. Yep. So everyone listen to this, just keep that in mind. Yep, just just saying. And keep keep in mind that it's Dylan. It's it's this <laughs> it's one here on the left. Yes. It's Dylan. If you're it's watching not, the video version, it's not the one that you're seeing every day. Uh, yeah, I just think that that's a little bit too much. Tolvanen's cooled off. I think he'll be really close though. He's gonna be really really close. Yeah, no, I think so. All right, so. I, I have only one more for you. Do you want to go to another one of yours? Yeah, we can do, we can do two more of mine here. We'll do like two okay. and then one kind of thing. All right. Okay. This team, RJ, if you if you look at under goals and you sort by game winning goals, okay, there are right. seven people tied for the lead for the team lead on this team with three game winning goals. All right, that being the goal that is the one that makes you win the game. 
just in case anybody was wondering what a game-winning <laughs> goal is. Uh, it's it's Matty Beneers, Daniel Sprong, Brandon Tanev, Andre Burakovsky, Alexander Wenberg, Morgan Geeky, and Justin Schultz, surprisingly, up huh. there, tied with everybody with three. So here's my question for you, RJ, because this shows how deep the Kraken are. And then if you if you go out just one more to two, Jamie Alexiak at 13. There's 13 people with two to three game-winning goals for this team. My question for you is, does anybody get to five? Oh, can somebody step up here in the last, you know, 16 games and be the hero and 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 get two more game winning goals or maybe three more if they've got two right now? You know what? I don't think so. I'm going to go with no. Uh And and the reason for that is because I'm I think the balance scoring is going to continue. You're going to get balance scoring up and down the lineup. That doesn't mean you can't have someone get to five, but you look at the players that are at three. Maddie Beneers. Yep. Uh, we, we agree that he's a little bit snake bitten. I don't know yeah. that two game yeah. winners is in the cards. Daniel Sprong. Uh, I got to think those game winning goals are probably pretty front loaded. Yep. Uh, Andre Burakovsky. I, I just don't think he's going to play enough games in the regular yeah. season to get up to five. Tanev. I, I, I mean, <laughs> maybe if he yeah. gets some empty netters and then the other team scores, scores. again. Yeah. <laughs> uh Wenberg, maybe geeky again just th- these are not high volume guys schultz right a- and you look at the ones that are really producing and it's mccann Everly, schwartz tolvin and you know all the guys with two mm-hmm. and they've just got more distance to travel so i'm gonna go with no okay i mean supplemental question do you think ryan donato gets one before the season's up oh how does he not have one that's already? what i'm thinking like all you got all these people you've got you've got 17 people with one including carson coolman who hasn't played for this carson team since last year uh and ryan donato poor poor guy sitting on man out um he's got as many as martin jones and philip grubauer yeah stinks 17 game winning goal scorers is that i, I want to see how that compares it feels to other like teams a lot yeah, it I just looked like up the Kings and they also have 17. So maybe well, but it's not. We talked about the, the 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 Carolina Hurricanes are the Seattle Kraken if the Kraken didn't have self-inflicted wounds. Oh, the Kings, LA Kings. Oh, oh, the Kings. I thought you said the they Kings. They have 17. So like if they have 17, the Golden Knights have 15. All right. So I guess that's kind of standard. It just feels like guess, a uh, lot. It's just it's just smoothed out where because the the Kings and Golden Knights I think had people with you know five the the Hurricanes who I just looked up they have fifteen but their leader is Aho with seven so I just <laughs> that might be the the lowest number for a, a game winning goals leader on a team. Yeah, that's that is true. All right, uh, my next question is: Will the Kraken have a goalie finish with an above nine hundred save percentage? Oh, Dylan, you're setting me up to be all negative on the goalies. Come on, man. <laughs> I, I thought I, I'm going to go with yes. I think Grubauer is going to get back up there. Really? Okay. Yeah. Because uh, Jones is kind of. Yeah. But I mean, you, you look at the the distance there that like Jones is is kind of too far gone for that, I think. Well, actually, no, sorry. Yes, I'll go with yes. Absolutely. You will have a goalie uh, finish at a wait. Did you say above 900 or above? 900? Yes, because Joey declares oh. at 900. I knew you would try something like that. OK, well, that, that's true. You you know me too well for this. Um, but yeah, Grubauer and 892. I'm doing the quick math here. Um, so goals against shots against. Keep in mind, there's like three games against Arizona left. I think Philip Grubauer is getting a shutout before the season's over. I think it's ridiculous he doesn't have one already. He's played well enough to have one. I think Philip Grubauer is getting a shutout before the season's over, and that's going to help him get above 900. I mean, that would help. I'm looking at it right now. In order to climb back up to 900, to be on that you know pace, because basically it's one goal out every 10 shots on goal. That's kind of how you, you think of it. Right. 
he would have to make his next 63 saves in a row to climb up to 900. He so he's got to be basically like 63 saves better than the, you know, one every 10. And that's, that's just a tall task to move it up, you know, by, by point. I know it's like 0. 0.008. It doesn't sound a lot, but it's hard in just limited games to move up there. So I'm sorry. I'm going to go with no. Groovy. I know you're listening. Prove him wrong. There we go. There, I'll get in on my, uh, <laughs> the, the prove him wrong part. Yeah. All right. Give me, give me your final question here. Then I'll give you mine. All right, so this is one that I, I have been just kind of thinking about, wondering about, and I, I feel comfortable talking about it as a matter of when, not if. Cool. When the Kraken clinch the playoffs this season, because it's uh -huh. they're making the playoffs. Yeah. It's going to happen. Um, will it be at home or on the road? Oh, interesting. That's a really interesting one. Let me pull yeah. up their schedule. So pull here. up the schedule here. I'll give you a little bit of time to pull it up. I did warn you ahead of time that one of these questions would require you to uh, to pull up the schedule. But if you're looking at kind of likely times to clinch, do you think it happens at Climate Pledge or do you think it happens on the road? And, and you can take into account their home and road record as well. Yes. I mean, heck, they may play at home and lose and another team loses and that clinches it for them too. So there's always that possibility. Yeah. But where will their last game before clinching have, or have happened? I think it's it's I think the earliest it could happen would be around the Anaheim game on the 30th of March here, which is a home game. You then look at a couple more home games uh, to start off April. I'm going to say at home because I think that's the time frame it'll be. I think it can, you know, like right now we both feel really safe about them making the playoffs. But like for it to actually be like, you know, the math all works out and everything takes a little longer than it always feels like it should. So I'm going to say it's going to happen around the turn of the calendar. And, and that's looks like it's during a homestand. So I'm going with home. All right. That's that, that's a pretty you know good, safe pick. I think they've got, what, five of six at home in that you know March 30th to, to April 8th stretch. Mm -hmm. The only road game there would be against Vancouver. And who knows? Maybe they uh, they clinched in Vancouver and you're wrong. <laughs> I know, but, uh, great. Go back and, and see if you're right on that one. Yeah, that's a really fun question. I, re I really like that one. Uh, for my final one, I'm going to skip two more that I had. I had three left. Uh, one was, will Schwartz, uh, Schwartz get to be better than minus 10? He's at minus 13 somehow. Every, nobody else is even close to that. I don't know how he's there. And would Will Borgen pass Larson in hits? But I think we all know the answer to that is probably not. Uh, Morgan Geeky over 50% face-offs, RJ, for the season. Will Morgan Geeky finish the season over 50%? He is right now at 49.9%. Okay, uh, he has won 245 faceoffs and lost 246. Do you think Morgan wow. Geeky can finish the season over 50? I think he will. Uh, I'm going to be optimistic about this. They're going to rely on him pretty heavily, and they're going to have him take some high leverage draws. I, I think he'll. He's he's one short of the 50. <laughs> percent I think he'll win o over two more faceoffs that he loses the rest of the way. I agree. He's been trending upwards. I guess I should have. I, I the the better one would have been Yanni Gord probably at forty nine point four. He's nine under right now. Uh, nine faceoffs. That's a taller under. task. Yeah. That was that's a taller one. That might have been the better question. But uh, I I I want it to happen so bad, RJ. I, at least one Kraken can be over fifty percent for the season. Yeah, because okay. Kiki is the leader at forty nine point nine percent. So <laughs> it'd be nice to have one. I just want one. That's all I'm asking for. 
All right, everybody. Thanks uh, for joining us on this episode of The Deep Dive. Hope you enjoyed it. One more shout out to Queen Anne Beer Hall for sponsoring the podcast. Uh, let us know your thoughts about everything that we talked about, the, the playoff stuff. What, you know, what's kind of your feeling on what you'd like the playoff format to be? What do you, do you like the idea of teams choosing who they would choose? Do you think teams would be cowardly or do you think more teams would be more eager to go ahead and try to challenge themselves and take on top tier opponents? Uh, I am curious to hear, you know, more people's thoughts because RJ and I have argued about this forever, but I want to hear some oh, yeah. like other opinions rather than just ours because we're pretty entrenched in our position here. <laughs> this is, yep. it's like 1917 on the Western Front. We're just, <laughs> we're not moving at all. So uh, I want to hear some other opinions, see what's going on there. Looking forward to it. Fun week of cracking hockey ahead. Another another game against Dallas. I'm I, I don't know. I, I'm really looking forward to this week, RJ. You get the get the game against Dallas. Get to get to get some uh you know, avenge ourselves maybe a little bit on the road in San Jose after that pretty dismal performance last you know time. It be present in their minds. They'll be thinking about yeah, it. Yeah, I'm looking forward to that one. And then especially finishing off the this upcoming week against Edmonton. That's one where it's again, as we're looking at these playoff tests for the Kraken. That is one I really want to see, and that could be a big deal as far as determining whether or not you are a wild card team or you're finishing within the top three of the division that game against Edmonton. So fantastic week of cracking hockey ahead. We'll be live after every game for the postgame lives. Make sure you stop by and join us. Uh, but until then, we will see you all next time. Hey, everyone. Before we go, we just wanted to give a quick shout out to all of our awesome patrons over at patreon.com slash emeraldcityhockey, especially our Terror of the Deep patrons. Absurdly Sane, Alex, Andrew, Austin H, Austin W, Beef, Ben, Burnt Creme, Chris, Coop, Daryl, DJ, DJ Singletone, Duthin, Eli, Emmy Chan, Gaby, Gary, Gregory, Harry Legionary, Jay, Joni, Joshua, Kepler, Kitty B. Kraken, Kyle, Leanne, Lonnie, Mark, Maya, Michelle, Noah, Nunya, Paige, Paul, Rebecca, Sarah, Scott, Skeletal Tendency, Steven, Striatic, Tasty Kobold, Team YMIAT, Tank Commander Ty, Tyler, Wendy, and Zaim. Thank you so much for making all this possible. We really appreciate your support. 